I was the lone park ranger in a small district in southern Idaho. The nearest town from the guard station was about 1.5 hours away by car. After moving into the guard station, solar power was not working, and I hadn't slept for about a month due to various factors, bats in the cabin, something walking on the deck at night. The woods there always had an eerie feeling to them. Unlike the southwest Ponderosa forest that I was used to. About two months into the seasonal job, I started to hear something walking and scratching on the deck at night, perhaps even on the door. This district was known for its badgers and beavers, so I didn't think much of it. When leaving the cabin at night, I always had an eerie feeling like I was being watched. One night, I was returning from my grocery run, I always went on Tuesday nights, and I had a bad feeling. At the time, I did not have my shotgun in the vehicle. After stepping out of the vehicle, I looked to the right of the cabin, about 50 feet from my front door. All I could see were two eyes about 3.5 to 4 feet in the air. To say I freaked out was an understatement. I started yelling get the F out of here. But the eyes only crouched down, and inched closer. At this point, I could tell it was a large animal of some kind, definitely not a coyote. I tossed a piece of firewood in the general area and the creature leapt back a bit but did not make a sound. Toss four or five more pieces and the creature still inches forward. At this point, I fumbled with the keys. Of course, the solar power was out again. I managed to get inside and grabbed my shotgun, technically, you are not supposed to have guns in government housing, but who the F lives in the hills have eyes backcountry and does not carry. I went outside. The creature was a bit closer. I still could not get a good look with my bad headlamp. A loaded shotgun and continued to throw pieces of wood with one hand. Finally, the creature walked back into the brush. That night, I drank about four IPAs and slept with my shotgun. In the morning, the trail crew came up, and we found mountain lion tracks all over the porch, rocking bench, and compound leading back to the creek. After that event, I always heard the rocking chair move and someone or something walking on the porch, but never found any tracks after that point. Considering that it was always muddy up there, it was weird to not find any tracks. I've been stalked by mountain lions before and never had that eerie feeling like I did in those woods. My uncle was a park ranger. He always told the story of when he worked in Montana. He was a solid 10 miles away from town, so pretty much ball deep in the woods. He recalled pulling his ATV on top of a semi-big hill that overlooked a valley. In between all the trees was this clearing he could see through his binoculars. Through them he saw an older lady, 60-ish, in black surrounded by a pack of six to eight wolves. Now, he is a lengthy distance from the woman, but he starts yelling and honking and all that and takes off down the hill as fast as he could, but when he reached the clearing, there was no one there. No wolves, no women, only a silver ring with a black stone in the middle. He still has it to this day. I have been a park ranger in the United States Forest Service for almost 15 years, but this took place about three years after I joined. We were getting calls about a lone wolf with a collar on hanging around campsites. It's weird since wolves aren't known to be in the area, but when you work in the field long enough, you start to realize anything is possible. Thank God. No calls had mentioned violent behavior from the animal. I departed from the station around noon to check out the places where it had been sighted. I wandered around for about three hours, no further calls during that time, until I took a break for water. I sat down, had a snack, drank some water and was getting ready to go again when the thing was about 20 feet away, trotting near the tree line. It seemed friendly and had a collar, so I whistled at it and he came over to me. Getting a closer look. I could see it wasn't a wolf. It was huge, but it was dark and didn't have the right body structure, though I could see why it'd be confusing from a distance. I radioed in and reported that I had the dog with me, 
but as soon as I said I'd bring it in, the dog freaking took off. He was playing to see how far he could get me to chase him, typical dog behavior. I went after it, and I swear it was a game of chase for at least 5 minutes as we steadily ran through the forest. Please don't go running through the woods unless you know the area like the back of your hand. The dog finally slowed down near a rock bed or creek area and started pacing around a spot. I drew closer and didn't see anything off at first, then I noticed it, the overgrowth had almost disguised what appeared to be bones. I called it in immediately, and another team was sent to recover the remains. When I went to retrieve the dog, he was just gone. But, honestly, it wasn't a priority at that point. He was friendly enough, and I figured we'd catch up with him later. The bones were identified as a teenage male's, who died by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He'd been reported missing in the area long before I became a ranger, and there'd been pretty much no hope of finding him. I spoke to his mom on the phone, she called to thank me personally, and she asked how I'd found her son. I mentioned the black dog, then thought I'd said something wrong since there was a pause on her side of the line. After I gave a couple details about the dog, she quietly explained that her son, who struggled with making connections, had sunk into a deep depression after the death of his best friend, the very dog that had led me to him. I think I spent the rest of the day stunned. I continue to be in disbelief, in a way. But I know what happened. 1. 1. 1. 1. I was doing some stuff in Death Valley National Park as a park ranger, and a couple of summers ago I left via the opposite direction of the construction crew, so this is a second-hand story, as we were all leaving after a very long night of pouring concrete, they should have been done at around sunrise, but things didn't finish up until like 1 pm or so, the archaeologist, let's call him Art, saw a faint glimmer of silver in a bush. He turned around to retrieve it. Thinking that it was an old balloon, a huge problem don't release balloons, they always come down somewhere and end up as litter, he turned around to retrieve it. Instead, he found a German man sitting there under the car's windshield sunscreen thing with a piece of rolling luggage by his side. This was an area that was closed off to the public until the road was repaired and nobody would be back through until the next day, so he stopped to talk to the man. Apparently, the German man, Claus is a good German name, let's use that, had been dropped off by his wife and mother-in-law the afternoon before and was in the middle of a long hike, like 20 to 30 miles or so. He had been hiking all night and was taking a break to rest during the day. There were plans to meet up in a day or two, but the women were in Vegas at the casinos. After some discussion, Art learned that Claus had no food or supplies and had only drank a few sips from one of his three-and-a-half-liter water bottles since he began the trek, he thought rationing it would be best since he only had a small amount of water. The temperature was already in the 120F range and Art had to explain that the guy could not stay there or he would very literally die. Claus said that he would be fine because he had trained by sitting in a sauna a number of times before he left Germany, and plus, how would his wife know where to pick him up if they left? After explaining the difference between sitting in a sauna and hiking with no food in a dry desert, Art proceeded to ask what would happen if his wife's car broke down or if she got delayed for some reason. There is no phone service in that part of the park, and nobody was supposed to be in the area to begin with, so Claus would be sol if his wife didn't arrive. Claus finally agreed to jump into Art's truck and drive to the nearby town. 20 miles away. As soon as he got into the AC of the truck and took a few sips of cool water, Claus realized how hot his body actually was and that he was actually in pretty bad shape. When they got to the town, they actually found Claus' wife and mother-in-law in the parking lot of the only gas station. It turns out that they had broken down there and never made it to Vegas. After talking a little, Art had to get off to sleep, he had been up all night, and reminded Claus to grab his roller suitcase from the back of the truck. Art casually asked what was... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Inside, and Claus opened it to reveal a suitcase full of water bottles. He was so delirious from the heat that he forgot the heavy bag that he had somehow been rolling across the desert was full of water. Delirium like that is a sign of sunstroke Claus probably wouldn't have made it through the rest of the day had Art not insisted on him getting into the truck. 1. 1. 1. 1. I have a friend who is a park ranger. He's basically a ranger who can't get you in trouble. He told me about this time he was gathering illegally placed wildlife cameras and knocking down hunting stands, feeders, and blinds with another actual ranger. The other ranger wasn't feeling well, so he said he was going to head back as it's a one-hour ATV ride. He was finishing up the last one when he heard voices. Keep in mind that he's far off the beaten path. He called out, and no one replied. As it was getting dark, he started to head back and found that his ATV wouldn't start. He then noticed that the battery was not connected anymore. He reconnected it and started to drive but it wasn't going fast at all. A little less than a half mile later, the whole thing died. He radioed back, basically saying, Hey guys, I need someone to come pick me up. They told him they would, but it would be an hour. He asked if the other guy got back and they said, no, he settled down and started a small fire. But before long, he heard voices again. It's dark. He's not happy. The voices sound like an argument now. Someone was angry and yelling at someone else who sounded more scared. He called out and asked if anyone needed help. The voices didn't seem to care. He guessed they had to be less than a 1000 feet away. He radioed again and they said they were having trouble finding what path he might be on and hadn't left yet. He asked them just to get the other ranger to tell them about where they were because he left with the iPad that had the map. They said he still isn't back. About three more minutes go by and he hears the voices start up again. He decides to walk to them, hoping maybe they can stop being drunk assholes and maybe have a map. He walked in their direction, but the voices seemed to be getting further apart as he got closer. Finally, after 20 minutes, he gave up and walked back. He got a radio call and they said the other guy was found passed out covered in vomit and was being taken to the hospital, but he crossed off everywhere they found a stand, so they have a general idea where he is. Then the radio died. Then the voices came back. He decided to listen to what they were arguing about, picking up things like well it wasn't yours to take and I don't care. You knew better and so on. He assumed it was two hunters arguing over a kill. Then he heard the one shout something intelligible, then silence, then, bang, a gunshot. He doused his fire and hid. After that, he heard nothing. He just breathed for the next half hour until he saw the ATV lights. He told the guy picking him up everything and they called back. They had people looking for three hours and found nothing. They came back the next day with police and dogs. After about an hour, A shallow grave was found and in it was a long dead man who had clearly been shot in the face. The thing was, it was a skeleton who had been there for years. So either the argument he heard just ended with a bang and both parties went home last night, or he heard the murder of someone from years ago. Back in the early 90s, 
My brothers and I were staying with my cousin and her husband, who I'll call Scott, who was a national park ranger. This was the opening day of deer season in northern Michigan. While I was at least a mile from any road or trail, I stumbled across an area that looked like people had been camping recently. They'd even built this weird outdoor kitchen. Being a naive 16 to 17 year old, the kitchen confused me, but I figured they had left because hunting season had started, so I just continued on my way. That night, I was telling everyone about it when Scott got serious and asked me about what it looked like and where it was. After I told him, he warned me not to go back there and to be glad no one was there. Apparently, some locals had multiple locations like that where they would cook meth so they wouldn't blow up their houses and to make it harder to get caught. I guess Scott reported it to the cops and they raided it a couple days later. I must have missed it, but the guys had set up multiple trail cams, which were damn expensive at that time, all around the area. Based on the pics on them, I missed the guys by a few hours. They were heavily armed, while I only had a bow and a knife. On the surface, it seems like a well thought out plan by some smart people, but they weren't very smart after all. Scott filled us in later on some details. Apparently, they didn't clear the images off the cameras before leaving. The images, though too low of a resolution to recognize their faces, showed them not only cooking the meth, but also carrying illegal guns and riding off on customized four-wheelers known to everyone in the area. They ended up getting 20 years in prison. Not me, but my dad, who was a ranger. He said once he was out in the forest with one other ranger, they had to camp overnight halfway to their destination. Well, that night they heard footsteps, and a lot of them outside their tent. Then they heard at least 20 people scream get out. Needless to say, they got the F out and radioed it in. The next morning, the cops went out and searched and found four skinned animals pinned to the treats around their campsite. Small chance I'm the cause of one ranger's story from about a decade or so ago. I was hunting on public land with my dad, several miles away from anything close to a trail. So the day goes by and not much is going on. The weather is bad and I'm not hearing distant gunshots, so I reckon the deer aren't moving much. I radio to the old man that I'm going to head back, and we make plans to rendezvous where we had split up that morning. Twenty or so minutes later, I was kneeling around the edge of a pond, stripping off all my bulky camo layers. I was just messing around, putting stuff in my bag while I listened to my earphones. I can't remember if I had taken my blaze orange hat off or not, but I had all the appropriate gear to denote myself as a hunter in my possession. As I was digging through my bag, I thought I heard that faint bass of someone yelling, so I took an earbud out and noticed that, crouched on the opposite edge of the pond, there was a lone forest ranger kind of just watching me. I stood up but didn't wave, and I wasn't sure he had even yelled at me in the first place, so I didn't holler anything at him. We just kind of locked eyes for what felt like a few minutes. To be clear, we weren't doing anything illegal, my rifle was unloaded by that point, though slung over my shoulder, obscuring the fact the action was open, and we were following all laws and regulations. I hunched back over to my bag, pulled out my walkie, and radioed to my dad we've got company. My motives weren't nefarious. I just didn't want my dad to come bumbling down the hill and be surprised by a friendly law enforcement officer. When I looked back up, maybe 15 seconds later, that ranger was gone. I mean, flat the F out gone. So eventually, I meet back up with my dad and start to tell him about what happened. Yeah, as deep back in here as we are, he probably thought we were up to no good, and hit the trail when he saw you on the radio they get ambushed like that. As someone who gets nervous? Anxious? I never occurred to me that I could be causing similar anxiety to them. If you're reading this, DNR bro, I'd like to offer you a heartfelt me bad, and keep up the good work. 
I used to be in a group that's somewhat like scouts, so we spent a lot of time in the woods and some weird thing happened often, but most of the time it was easy to explain. One thing happened, though, that to this day scares the living s out of me. I was a leader for the age group, 8 to 10 years old, and we were out on a camping trip. It was the first year we stayed on that terrain and it was huge. Normally we tend to explore the majority of a terrain before the kids arrive, so we were aware of any possible dangerous spots to avoid. This time it was impossible. Every camp we have what we call a night game. It's usually a scary game in which the kids have to complete several tasks while the leaders scare the ever-loving us out of them. Obviously, we had one too during that camp. We masked up as monsters and hid out in the woods close to the checkpoints they had to pass. While running in between checkpoints, I found an open stretch of forest with little to no foliage, so it was ideal for chasing after them. There was no real room to hide besides behind trees, so I couldn't use my flashlight or they'd be able to see me from miles away. It was dark, like the unsettling kind of dark that plays tricks on your eyes and makes you start imagining things that aren't real. During my stay there, I saw a shadow that was around my size running past me a few times. I couldn't see it very well, so I just assumed I was imagining things because nothing was there when I turned my flashlight on. The game was nearing its end and I saw the shadow again. This time I could see it vaguely standing near a tree not too far away from me. I thought it was one of the other leaders hiding to scare the kids and decided to go over there as it was about time to go back. I aimed my flashlight towards the tree and while getting closer, I noticed that there was indeed someone standing there dressed in what looked like a torn burlap sack and had their head covered with a few white plastic bags that looked like they were tied together. I started to feel pure dread. Something felt really off. I asked if everything was okay, but they didn't respond. The only thing I heard was this weird sound that sounded like someone knocking on wood. Nevertheless, I went a bit closer until I was about 10 meters away from this person. The knocking sound turned out to be that person smacking his head repeatedly into the tree, and I noticed he looked like a male. He was barefoot and his arms and legs were covered with crusted mud. His hands were in a weird, cramped position. I was convinced this was just one of the other leaders pulling a prank, so I told them to knock it off. He slowly turned his head and started walking towards me. Something inside me just told me to run. It didn't matter if it was just a stupid prank and I ran away scared for nothing. If this wasn't a prank, it felt like I was in serious danger, so I ran as fast as I could. I heard him running after me, but I didn't want to turn around to look as I'd probably run into a tree. I arrived back at the campsite and every single person that could be dressed like that was already there. They couldn't have gotten there before me and if they did, they sure as hell didn't have the time to change into their regular clothes. Still, I told them that they gave me a good scare with that. They just looked weird at me, thinking I was trying to scare them, and we left it at that. The next day, I wanted to go check it out. Who knows, maybe some weirdo ate the wrong mushroom and might be out there dying from hypothermia. I took someone else with me just in case, and there was nothing but endless trees. We arrived at the tree, where I saw the person banging his head, and there was a dead, skinned, decomposing rabbit nailed to the tree. We called the cops. They looked around quickly and brushed it off as just a prank by another scouting group or some kids from the nearby town and left it at that. We didn't notice anything weird after that, so it probably was a dumb prank, but seriously, some people have a messed up sense of humor. Edit. This has had a lot more responses than I thought. To clarify, I'm 99% sure it was a prank by locals. The cops reacted in a way that looked more like not this BS again than oh no, evil murderer in the woods and we won't stop it. I was in the Gila wilderness and a convoy of us campers slash fishers were making the drive on the dirt road from Mogolone to Snow Lake when we spotted a forest ranger guy pulled over looking in a ditch. 
Turns out some idiot tried to make a U-turn and didn't realize the loose rock makes it hard to stop they went over the edge and high centered. We're miles from the nearest official campground, and it's early spring, and the nights get pretty damn cold. We get a jeep with a winch in position and start to pull the guy out of the ditch. From off a hill comes a white dude in a purple velvet sweatsuit. He's got a walking stick, a fanny pack, and a purple velvet sweatsuit that's it. He's a blonde dude and pretty skinny. He comes up to us and he tells us he's German and having a great time. We could not get over the purple velvet suit, it was like a real pimp sweatsuit. The ranger is immediately suspicious and wants to know where he's staying and where he came from. It was around 9 in the morning and the only way he could have gotten back to where he came from was to hike for hours. The German guy is a goofy man and just points off toward the other mountain when asked where he's staying or going. We all think it's funny, but also question how the guy is getting along with no water and no food. The sun is intense above 5,000 feet, even if it's only 75 degrees. The German guy refuses water or any other help and just crosses the road and goes off into the woods. The ranger told us he couldn't really keep the guy from doing that since he seemed okay. He said he'd check a few campsites in that direction later to see if he'd made it. We get to Snow Lake and commence drinking like fish in order to better catch fish. That evening, the ranger popped by to tell us that nobody at any other camp had seen the dude. He radioed around and no other rangers had abandoned camps or missing campers, and they surely hadn't seen a German dude in a purple pimp sweatsuit. That range rolled off duty the next day, and his replacement came by to make sure the other ranger was smoking something we gave him. We assured him it all happened. I never heard another word about the German in the purple pimp sweatsuit, but it makes for a good story. I texted my buddy that was with me that day to reminisce about the German, and he reminded me that the purple pimp German looked a lot like the actor Reese Ifans, who played Nigel, the kicker in the Keanu Reeves classic The Replacements. I hope that helps with the mental image. The movie came out like three years after the camping trip, but we remember seeing the movie and thinking Nigel looked just like the crazy German. My friend reiterated how absolutely happy the German was. Not a ranger, but an avid mountain climber here in the Philippines. One time, my group went on a night hike to a mountain located in central Luzon. Naturally, we took the easier trail, North Peak, since we were hiking with some newbies. At around 4 a.m., we broke camp and started our descent. Almost an hour in, we noticed that we kept passing the same fallen tree and the same boulder. The trail was very straightforward, and many of us had climbed the mountain before, but for some reason, all of us were going round in circles. One of the more superstitious hikers decided to make us all stand in a circle, utter a prayer, and leave an offering of food. Only then were we able to complete our descent. So here are a few of my hiking stories. This was around 2015 when I went on a day hike at Mount GB, somewhere in the southern part of the Luzon area. The week prior to my hike, I was in the same area with a friend. Seeing that the trail is relatively straightforward, we decided not to hire a guide. Fast forward to the present, I decided to do a nighttime trek with five of my colleagues in tow. Since I was the one who knew the trail, I was the group leader. We heard something that went, shh, 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 as we were hiking the trail. We looked around, thinking it might be one of the locals, some parts of the trail led to small houses. Anyway, it soon stopped, so we forgot all about it. We soon reached a narrow part of the trail bordered by shallow cliffs on either side. Since I was the lead, I was very focused on the trail, and I didn't notice that my colleagues were lagging behind until one of them said, hey, why don't you shine your flashlight right in front of you? I stopped walking and waited for them to catch up. When we reached the campsite, I asked my colleague why he told me to shine the flashlight right in front of me. What? I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Well, he whispered, you were walking so fast I didn't think you saw the child standing right in front of you. Second story. We were walking on our way home from the summit of Mount B, also in southern Luzon. When a kid came up to us asking if he could guide us for 5 pesos only. He was dressed in a blue checkered shirt and white pants. He was very well groomed, his clothes were wrinkle free, and his hair wasn't even messy at all. We knew the trail by heart, so we kept on declining his offer. Eventually, we agreed, since we figured he would follow us anyway. When we started to walk again, he suddenly stopped following us. I called out to him, but he didn't mind me. He just stood still. I looked at my companions and they were very scared. So I said, okay, stay there if you want, but you won't get your five pesos. And left. I told this story to fellow mountaineers and they told me the kid was probably the child of one of the guides. This is a very popular urban legend surrounding a certain Mount C, also called the Devil's Mountain. The famous legend narrates the story of a couple who went on a hike on Mount C at midnight. They got lost when they accidentally took an unusual trail on their way to the campsite. Even though the weather was threatening because of a storm and there was zero visibility, they still continued their hike. They arrived at a point where the trail forked, and they turned left when they should have turned right. The left was a deadly trail, so they never made it to the campsite. According to local folks, The two were not found until now. Third story this story is connected to the previous one, also taking place in Mount C. A group of hikers, together with a guide, went on a rarely used trail. On the way, they passed by a small village, where the elders advised them to continue the trek but leave the only girl in the group at the village. They politely declined and continued hiking. Halfway through, The guide told them that he could only go as far as the first half. Being experienced hikers, they paid the guide and continued until they came to a fork in the road. As they were debating which road to take, a couple stumbled upon them and told them to take the left side. They continued following the couple even as it got dark and started to rain. Suddenly, their flashlights turned off simultaneously, but they still tried to follow the couple. When the rain stopped and their flashlights came back on, the couple was gone, 
and one of the group members slipped and almost fell from a ravine. I was out camping with my dog one night along the Mogul Lone Rim of Arizona. It was dark and we were sitting around the campfire when we heard something behind a bush close to our camp. Instead of my dog barking at it, he begins to whimper. I didn't think anything of it and just tended to the fire. After a couple of minutes, we heard some more noises from a different bush. This time, my dog gets up and goes over to the tent and scratches the door because he wants to go in. I tossed a couple of rocks in the direction I heard the noise and nothing happened. I'm spooked now, so I toss a couple of pieces of wood on the fire and climb into my tent with my dog, hoping that the light from the fire would keep whatever was out there away. We eventually fell asleep and luckily had no other disturbances during the night. The next morning, I went out behind the bushes where we had heard the noises and found mountain lion tracks that were circling around our camp. I'm sure glad I didn't go looking at night when I heard the noises. When I went backpacking at Philmont, Boy Scout Place, Every crew started out with a ranger that went out with the crew for the first couple of days just to make sure that they were going to be okay and had the necessary skills to get to their destinations. After they left the cruise, they would head to the nearest staffed camp or pickup location. Our ranger was telling us about one of his hikes back after leaving a crew. He followed along a game trail since they are usually easy ways to get through the woods, and as he was walking, a mountain lion walked up behind him and then scented him like a house cat does by rubbing against your legs. When a mountain lion does that, apparently, you involuntarily defecate and urinate in your pants and then hope to God the lion was just in a playful mood. As it turned out, this one was indeed just messing with him and he made it safely back to camp. I'm not a ranger. But back in 2010 I had just finished a wilderness leadership class and decided to go to Colorado to get some solo wilderness time. I found out about some hot springs near the Colorado River that were only accessible during the winter, during the summer, the snow melt raises the water level of the river and they become submerged, and decided to go spend a few weeks out there. It was on BLM land, and I had about a 4 mile hike from where I parked to where I was camping. The BLM lady who watched the land saw me when I arrived and asked me to just write the date on my windshield every week to let her know I'm still alive out there. Anyways, it was pretty pleasant out there, but every night I was terrified of the bears. They should be sleeping, but if they aren't, it means they are hungry and I'm for dinner. For this reason, I decided to set up camp close to a cliff. It was about 40 down to the river and I figured, Worst case scenario, I could jump and then get to the hot springs to prevent hyperthermia. It's a crazy plan, but once you're out there you realize bear spray is kind of useless inside the tent. So one early morning, I hear these loud animal noises outside my tent, they are getting closer and very loud, accompanied by grunting and breathing noises. I was too scared to open my tent. I just froze and the steps kept getting closer and closer and closer. At this point, I could hear it sniffing my tent. I didn't dare move, I just lay there. It starts to move away from my tent, but it's still out there, and now I hear more than one animal. I finally poked my head out, and it's a herd of elk. I swear though, it was probably the most scared I've ever been out camping. One. 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 I lived on the outskirts of a national park in a cabin. It was a four-mile drive from the main road just to get to the property, and we had no plumbing or power this property was right next to where the park started, to call it the middle of nowhere is an understatement. My roommate at the time was interning with the park service, but he is a city kid. Every evening at the dead of night, I had been hearing noises in the woods, what I thought was someone walking but then they just stop in particularly overgrown areas of the jungle, so your mind starts to doubt itself. Is it a pig? A cat? Is it just the wind? The cabin didn't have a locking door, and the owners didn't want me to install one, 
so I began sleeping in my car. Now, this is a huge property, and I'd parked my car over an acre away from the cabin and where I was hearing something. I started hearing those footsteps again. I moved out. My roommate, who thought I was bonkers, stayed and still slept there without a locking door. He got robbed not once, but twice after I moved out. So he finally put up motion-triggered cameras. There was a man with a long rifle who'd hike up to the property, set up in the bushes, and watch us. I was camping in a campground on the west coast. I have back problems, so when I camp I sleep in the car. I had the back seat converted to a bench seat and put my sleeping bag there. I cover the car windows for privacy. Early one morning, I heard this rumbling sound. It's loud enough to wake me up. I'm a child of the suburbs, and what it really sounds like is when you push a shopping cart across a really rough parking lot, one with a lot of gravel sticking out of the concrete. Then the car gets bumped hard. The whole car moved. I immediately start unzipping the sleeping bag with the inside zipper, but that's not the quickest process. By the time I get free enough to sit up and look, there's nothing there. But some big animal had walked by, and I love to know what made a rumbling noise like that. I was in an area of old growth. Most of the area had been logged a long time ago, but there was a fire that destroyed the temporary logging infrastructure that they had built and it wasn't economical to rebuild it, so the old growth remained. We had been hiking with day packs all day away from the main camp and had crossed the creek several times, and crossed paths with two cottonmouths, each nearly getting us, and eventually followed the path away from the creek, but you could still see it to the big but sparse evergreens. We were uphill from the creek about 150 when we came around a corner and, bam, there was a wild black Russian boar. As big as a large cow with bristling hair, 8 to 10 long. At first, I thought it was a cow. A big, dirty cow with a weird head I stopped in my tracks. It took my non-woodsy companion a moment to figure out why I had become stuck in the path. We stood there for a while, waiting for it to finish eating and then wandered away and around another corner. The whole time I was thinking, I wonder if I could reach the creek, full of big rocks which I could scramble onto and then across the creek, first or would the boar? I knew that I would beat my buddy even if he started running first. All the way back to the campsite, any and every dark spot or shadow was a moccasin or a wild Russian boar. I was 14 years old when this happened. So I'm in a boy scout troop from a small town and every year we connect with a neighboring town and plan a big camping trip to a place called Panther Den. This was my first year going and it's basically a four hour drive south where we park in a lot and hike down on Friday night about a mile and a half in the dark with our backpacks full of gear for the weekend. Panther Den is part of a state park, so it's mostly woods, but there is one area near a creek bed that is empty enough for us to set up camp. As we are hiking down the trail to get to the camp, I am near the front when I see something in the dark. At the time, I thought it was a tarp in a tree, but really, as we get closer, we see it's a tent. We stay a respectful distance away as some of the adults walk up to try to talk to them and ask if they'd be okay with us setting up camp near them. They go up to the tent and, after a few minutes of repeatedly asking if anyone was there, we just decide to set up camp and we'll deal with it in the morning. We set up camp and go to sleep. We woke up early the next morning to check out the site. There is a tent with a clothes line and an empty fire pit. There are some clothes on the line and some clothes on the ground. The fire pit was cold when we got to the camp that night, and there was a pot of water that had long been frozen. The tent holds two sleeping bags and some more clothes, and also a few papers. The clothes on the line must have been wet, but they have frozen solid now. We spent the entire weekend camping and rock climbing, having a blast and seeing no one. The tent is never claimed and nothing is ever moved. There is no sign of anyone claiming anything. We later find, 
via the papers in the tent, that it presumably belongs to a woman, whom we find on Facebook and message about the tent, but never receive a response. I still don't know what happened to the tent or where it even came from. People couldn't have gone into the woods without sleeping clothes because the warmest it got all weekend was 45 degrees and it reached below zero at night. Once, when I was younger, I went camping with my mom, my sister, and her new boyfriend. I woke up one night, after not being able to sleep as usual, and went into the car so I could play on my phone without waking anyone up. Eventually, I noticed our dog on the riverbank a little ways ahead of our campsite. She was pretty small despite being part pit bull, imagine a miniature pity, which made me worried about her being alone in the dark. She shouldn't have even been outside of the tent, so I went out to go see what she was up to. She was staring intently at something on the other side of the river, which was not too wide. It was a figure. I ran back to the car because I was little and I'd seen enough scary movies to know the dangers of spooky figures in the woods. My dog followed me into the car, and I locked it and stayed in there for the rest of the night. The thing is, I kept seeing him. He would be watching us, day or night, on the other side. I couldn't quite make him out except that he was wearing a hat and was most definitely pale skinned. I didn't want to tell anyone because I didn't know if it was real. But my dog always noticed him too. My mom's boyfriend was laughing and talking about how there was a homeless guy taking stuff from our garbage at the campsite, and he didn't tell my mom because she would have freaked, which she did, scolding him for not telling us. I guess whoever I saw was probably the same man. The grandchild of some farmers from the good old county of Cornwall in England here. There are massive woods surrounding my great-grandfather's home, and only one really nearby neighbor who lives a little down the road. Exploring these woods was a load of fun when I was young, and I would do it all the time. I don't know if you could call it hiking, but when you got deep into the woods, civilization disappeared. After going with my family a few times, it was decided I had a pretty good head and was allowed to go out on my own, I was about 14 at the time. There were no dangerous animals or anything in there, so we went on an adventure. I kept a good track and never got lost, and after a couple of days exploring, I found a path emerging from the bushes. Now. This was further out than I was technically allowed to go, but I was 14 and broke rules. This was interesting to me because there were only two paths I was told about, and it seemed very cold and faded past the big mangle of bushes. I couldn't tell where it was on flat ground, but it seemed to remain a little on the long slope to the top of a hill. I happily went up this hill to the top and found something really strange. There was a tea party set up in the middle of the forest. Seriously, plastic chairs, a plastic table, a teapot, and teacups made from China. This weirded me out like crazy, but at the time I sort of dismissed it. Two years later, after I'd grown up a little, I went looking for the plastic chairs and table. I hadn't really mentioned it to anyone yet, but I'd realized just how weird it was and I wanted some kind of proof. The plastic chairs had been scattered, by some animal, I assume, but what was really weird was that the plastic table was ripped almost in half. I couldn't find the teacups or teapot anywhere. I later went back and talked about the tea set, and everyone seemed very confused. There were no kids anywhere, and the only kids who had grown up there had been my great-grandmother and her siblings, who certainly didn't lug a weird tea set out there. Everyone promptly forgot about it, but I'm still weirded out to this day. It was like something from a fairy tale horror film, now that I think about it. My whole family, like nine people, went for a drive to my grandfather's favorite mountain. He recently passed away, and we took my grandma because she wanted to go. It was a caravan of two trucks, on a muddy dirt road near the top of the mountain. We stop and get out to look at the view from the top of the ridge. I'm about six years old, the youngest in the group. 
Everyone makes it to the top before I'm even halfway there. They stare in silence. My brother breaks the silence by saying hey to me as he scoops me up before I can reach the top and see the view. He carries me back down to the trucks. Everyone is murmuring and taking pictures, and I'm whining about never being able to do anything fun. I found out what happened about 15 years later. The photos from the trip were in a family album. I asked them about the mountain and the view I wasn't allowed to see. My mom explained to me that once they reached the top of the ridge, they saw a steep mountainside covered in these large, perfect black circles, as though the grass had been burnt. That's why they were shocked. I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. I was terrified of natural disasters and stuff. My older brother knew this and stepped in and directed my attention elsewhere, so I didn't flip my stuff while the other adults took pictures. My brother was the best. Anyway, the pictures of the circles came out black or blank when they developed them. No one had a picture that showed the perfect black circles. The other pictures were fine. I've done a ton of hiking in my area, mostly solo, mostly overnight. Several years ago, while in college, I was stressed out and had just finished fall semester finals, so I decided to go hiking to clear my head. I went to an area I am very familiar with. Having always felt at ease there, I figured it would be a great spot to recharge. I also enjoy night hiking, so I didn't mind pushing on past sundown. But just when the sun set fully and everything turned winter gray, I started to hear things. I know those woods, I know them all year round. I know where people live, where the roads are, where the campsites are, where locals go to smoke weed and get laid, and that those are the places where you run into trouble if you don't have a car. I started hearing bicycle bells, chimes, clicks, and voices that couldn't be there. I assumed it was like a white noise hallucination brought on by stress. I acknowledge hearing them to prevent denial from exacerbating the issue. Stress was manifesting in a different way than usual, so I just let it happen and hoped it would pass. Soon after the peripheral vision hallucinations began, I am used to some weird shadows and my brain making up things in the blending gray of twilight. That part is physiological, not paranormal. I acknowledged that and continued, wanting to make it to some pioneer cabin ruins to camp in. I had stopped to eat lunch there once and thought it would be an inviting place to hang a hammock. The auditory hallucinations changed to voices, which bothered me. The visual hallucinations, previously only present in my periphery, began to linger when I focused my eyes on them. Then they began to move toward me. I closed my eyes to try to reboot my vision and center myself. But my eyelids may as well have been glass. I could see right through them and could still see the gray woods, gray figures, and gray houses as well as if they were open. So I prayed. I asked for clarity and protection. I received the reply immediately, knowing that I would be watched over until I left the woods, but only if I left soon. The mountain I was on was the highest in the area and at the edge of the escarpment to the Blue Ridge, so there was some cell signal to be had. I knew I didn't have time to walk the 12 miles back to my car, so I called a friend to come pick me up. The trail intersected the road at the top of the mountain, so I hiked along the road for a few hours before he... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Got there. I've been back to the woods, even to that part of the trail, and I feel safe there. I still see peripheral figures at twilight. I still prefer to hike by myself, but I know better than to think I truly hike alone. Two stories. First of all, 
This happened about three years ago or so. We were all hiking near Pinehurst, California. I can't remember the exact trail we were on. But about five miles from the trailhead, we see a couple of packs strewn out in the field. Like somebody was exploring the cliff face just beyond. We get a little concerned, but go on our way. We're returning four days later to find the bags are still there. We check it out, and find some well-prepared packs, meals lined up day by day, clothes the same thing, a couple of bottles of Jack, one almost empty, two unopened, and a few boxes of ammo. Things looked like they hadn't been touched since we came through four days prior. We marked the location on our map and reported to the ranger on our way out. I kept checking online for reports from the area but never found out what happened. Second story this was probably 15 years ago. I was about 13 to 14 and doing a 50 miler over the course of a week. This was in the High Sierras, Norther Kings Canyon area. We're doing switchbacks down to a lake for the night, and about halfway down this horrible smell of death permeates the air. As we get closer, we see a half-decomposed deer just off the side of the trail. Insides hanging out, rib bones sticking out, the worst number of flies. It was obviously all a bunch of 15-year-old kids could talk about that night around the campfire. We all get ready to sleep, and around midnight, we're all woken up by some kid blowing his whistle as loud as he could. We all freak out, start blowing hours, and wave our flashing lights like crazy. Finally, everyone calms down and we look around to see what was going on, and a bear had come through the campsite looking for candy that this kid had left in his bag and didn't store properly. We're all now on bear watch duty for the rest of the night. But nobody could sleep because their adrenaline was through the roof. So, I have a story about being in the woods. When I was nine, my mother wanted to go hiking at a state park close to where we lived, and this would be the first time my little brother or I went hiking. We took two water bottles each to the park, but we ended up only bringing one when we went on the actual hike. My mom checked the time on her cell phone before we walked in, it was 10 AM. After she checked the time, she led the way onto the trail. It was really beautiful in the woods, like those types of woods that fairies would live in. We all finished our water and followed the signs on the trail, but we still weren't finding our way out. My mom went to check her phone to see if she had any cell service to call for help, but her phone was black and would not turn on at all. We walked for what we felt was maybe an hour or two at most since we started, but we really couldn't tell without a phone. My mother noticed a trail that could lead to the highway and help us get back to the car a few minutes later. As soon as we stepped out of those woods, I could hear my mom's phone go off, and it scared the crap out of me. My mom looked at the phone and was shocked that it said it was 6 PM. It was an hour away from being dark out, and we would have been lost in the dark if it wasn't for that trail. The scariest part, however, was the fact that we had passed that section of the woods three times because I remembered seeing this misshaped rock with moss and a red polka dotted mushroom. When I saw it for the first time, I told my brother that's where the fairies play, and it cheered him up. Every time we walked past that rock, not once until the last time did my mom or any of us see a trail to a road. My brother and I never wanted to go on a hike, but my mom said it would be fun and forced us to go. I'm just glad we made it out alive, but I'm sure as hell never going hiking again. Sorry, this isn't in a park or while hiking, but it was a walk in my neighborhood, kind of like a hike. Anyway, from my house, there's a medium-sized field down the road, wrapped with a sidewalk. The field is like a place for soccer games and other various things like that and there's a playground in the corner. Trees every so often along the sidewalk. In the back corner of the park, the park was also encompassed by a brick wall, there was a little gate that you could just unlatch and walk through. So I do, because I like exploring. It leads to a canal that runs along our freeway. 
I went here often when we lived in that house. I would just escape everybody and sit by the canal and watch the water flowing through, with my dog by my side as we relaxed in the morning sun. I stayed away from the tunnel for the canal, the canal just kind of goes underground for a moment to go under some train tracks, because there was a lot of gang writing there, but that doesn't even play into the creepy part of this story. One day, I decided to walk down the rest of the canal and see if there was anything interesting I could find. Suddenly, my dog decided she was really not fond of the brick walls next to the canal. In this area, the park has ended, and it is now the back of houses that face the canal, with the brick wall behind them. So basically, house to brick wall, to canal, to freeway, is the scene. Anyway, I stare at this house that my dog doesn't like for a while, then look at the ground, as there was something odd there. A cat skeleton take a bit closer look. It's not just one cat, there were about four or five cat skeletons that looked like they were just chucked over the brick wall of this house. My first thought is that a serial killer is in the making here. It was the most unsettling sight that I think I ever came across. We left instantly, and I only rarely went back to sit by the canal after that, until we moved. I probably should have reported it, but I was only like 11 years old at the time, and didn't think that would be a reportable thing, probably isn't. 